Welcome to the Art First Interiors podcast, brought to you by Curious Egg. I'm Lorraine Aaron, an artist who designs interiors. I'm passionate about the way art can change our lives and improve our home environments, and I love interiors with art at their soul. Here on the Art First Interiors podcast, I talk to like-minded creative people, including fellow artists, interior designers and homemakers, exploring how art affects their lives, the places they live and the spaces they create. Join me to discover the power of art to transform your home. This week I chat to artist Holly Drewitt about her practice as a printmaker. She tells me how a life-changing experience in a freak snowstorm changed the course of her work. And we talk about why people often find conceptual work more challenging to connect with. She talks about her move to a new studio in a remote Greek location during this difficult year and how this has helped her to stay creative and find a slower yet more stimulating quality of life. Well, welcome, Holly. Thanks so much for uh, coming on to chat to me today. Um, I thought it, it's always interesting to hear a wee bit of background, uh, about, especially about artists, a wee bit more about the person. Um, and I thought maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about that, your experience and how you became an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks very much for inviting me to do this. It's exciting. Um, well, so I'm from Cornwall. And I, I always enjoyed doing art and creative things. And I think that was always, you know, growing up, that was always important. Um, and after school, I did, um, I, I sort of already knew, you know, before A-levels, I, I really, I just wanted to do art and design. So I did um, a national diploma BTEC when I was 16. Okay. Um, and then from there, I went to do um, a fine art BA at Falmouth university which was amazing so I, I think you know it had always been there I did question doing other things and maybe looking back it might have been wise to you know broaden the subject <laughs> yeah. like, we all it. think that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no I think I was so into it and I was so excited by it that's what I wanted to do um and yeah uh one amazing thing you know talking about experiences and I think is quite well, I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to do it, is that whilst I was at Falmouth, I uh, did an exchange and I went to Japan for five months wow. to do, uh, you know, being a university there, um, which was incredible for lots of different reasons. You know, it was amazing to be in um, the country. It's, it's so different to England. Absolutely, um, yeah. And get a sort of different perspective on things. It was a huge sort of learning curve for me in lots of ways I was young you know I was only 19 I had my 20th birthday there um but also in terms of like the way the art school because Falmouth I found at the time that it was quite um heavy on driving conceptual work and when I went to the school in Japan which is was in Nagoya it was much more about well there was like a traditional Japanese painting course and it was much more about craft, uh, not craft, the craftsmanship and techniques yes. in making yes. and the aesthetics and design. So it was a really nice sort of shift and mm. just a, it's 
think about things differently. And and was so was that that was in your undergraduate years you went over there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. really interesting because I mean I know um you know a lot of the colleges offer exchanges I, I went to over to America as well and it was it really informed my practice as well um, but there was no opportunity for Japan that was definitely a sort of postgrad thing so I mean that just sounds incredible um, and I think it's interesting what you're saying about because I think probably um, around about the same time there was that whole kind of conceptual push in the art schools and and some of them I mean I've talked about this before with some of the other artists just how that kind of craftsmanship was starting to get lost a little bit, that that kind of real knowledge of materials and the techniques. Um, and that's really interesting that you kind of had an experience of both simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. It, and it was hard to come back to Falmouth, actually, having had that. I, yeah. I, I didn't want to leave at all. And then I came back and th- you, obviously, you know, the concept in the work is important and it is important to me. But when you're studying and people, and there's such a um, gravitas put on that, it can almost kind of stunt you because yes. you're overthinking things. And, you know, so, yeah, it was great to see that other side of things. Yeah, I think that's, I absolutely get what you're saying about that, that kind of weight of the importance of the idea. And and we'll maybe come back to that a wee bit later, actually, because I did mm. want to talk to you about the sort of conceptual side of the work. Um but you, you, so you developed these techniques in, in printmaking, and obviously that's a very broad title. Um, what specifically was the kind of technique you were exploring in Japan? And was was that did that have the heaviest influence on you? So <laughs> in Japan, I actually laid off of printmaking um, for a couple of different reasons. I, the tutor. Because I was, I don't know what I was expecting, and I, I, they told me that I could go very late, so there wasn't very much preparation time. It was like a couple of weeks before. Okay, you can go. So right, okay, get you know, try and get everything together. And the tutor who spoke English, there was no other European students. Um, He 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 was one of the only tutors that could speak English. He ran a digital media course, so I did some animation while I was there. Ah, okay, yeah, and I did try printmaking but the um, technicians there didn't speak English you know I had one or two words of Japanese not enough for these yeah, sort of technical terms and I just panicked myself because I was doing screen printing I was picking things up and I was thinking actually there's so much there's so much in a print room you know acids and things like this I just see myself putting the wrong thing on something, burning a hole in the screen. Or I just, I just thought, no, I just yeah. too much. No, play it safe. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting, though. I hadn't realised that that you, you it, it was there. I thought you learnt the sort of the, the sort of Japanese printmaking techniques, but but no, how interesting. And so, yeah. what had you been doing before that, though? So, at Falmouth, though, you had been doing printmaking. Is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did printmaking at Falmouth and on and on the course before. I had an amazing print technician, and I think he sort of stoked my love for print, or you know, drove that. Um, so I did a lot of screen printing, and then did some lithography. And I would say, yeah, they were the two main things. Although I I did do a little bit of etching and mono printing and other things, yeah. but more recently on my MA, um, I started to do some mokolito, which is a Japanese lithographic technique. Um, and that that is really amazing and sort of addictive because you're working with the lithographic materials and 
it's the same process, but it's on wood. So yeah, the wood so, changes. I mean, can I ask you about that? Because I'm always aware that you know not everybody listening knows about these techniques and yeah. you know you know maybe those of us of art school I know a little bit I don't know a lot but um, I didn't do printmaking in detail but so lithograph you're basically drawing onto a stone with inks is that right yeah you can do it onto different surfaces um you can it can be on stone or metal plate and you draw onto it with um, any kind of greasy substance so a crayon or like you say it can be inks but they're you know grease based um then that um plate or stone goes through a processing which is like um, a weak acid etch and then you the way to print it up is by layering so you you wash the stone or plate with water and then you ink it up with an oil-based ink so the oil will stick to where you've done the greasy drawing but the water on the surface repels the rest of the ink Mm. um it's quite yeah. fascinating, isn't it? Because I always loved the look of the stones. I just thought there was something so ancient about this big block of stone. Yeah. And then, um, but that said, I didn't actually, I think I didn't have the patience. I was so caught up with sculpture that I thought, well, it's got to be one or the other. So I didn't spend that long down there. But I'm always yeah. interested in it. You know, it's, it's a fascinating technique. And so the yeah. Moccolito, how does that relate to that? It's exactly the same process, but it's, you can do it on plywood. Um, and because the wood has an, uh, you know, a natural oil in it, um, you get the drawing in the print, but also the texture of the grain coming through. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, it's nice, and it it varies from uh, wood to wood. What type of um, well, what type of pattern you're going to get, but also how much oil is in it, and mm. yeah, it's just really, it's quite seductive, I would say, actually. Yes. <laughs> to start working that way. And and your pieces, they have a kind of, is that just the paper you've done them on? They have a kind of silken sort of finish. Um, is that just the surface of the paper or is that anything to do with the inks and technique? I think that is the paper. It's just oil-based um, oil based ink, which I guess gives you a certain kind of sheen. Mm. Um, but yeah, the surface of the paper, just because it's quite smooth, I think. Yes, no, they're they're really beautiful, um, and for you, I mean, so so interesting that you then did the digital um, work in in Japan. You then did come back, and what sort of drove that continued love for print? And then did you then did that then you then start to bring in the digital imagery mm. into that process? I mean, how did your process develop from that experience? Um. I think the digital side of things, and I still do use sometimes now, but more what I like about printmaking, it is quite, it's quite methodical and there's quite, um, you you, you know, you have to be quite anal really, you Mm -hmm. know, there's step by step, you've got to follow these processes, but then within that, once you've got those guidelines, you can sort of be more creative or you try out different things. Um, but that is really nice, and, and you can work on a plate for ages and ages, and then it's the sort of reveal at the end, which, you know, yes. <laughs> it's hit or miss, I guess. But yeah. there's something really lovely about sort of seeing something that you you haven't really been able to see. It's sort of working blindly until yeah. that thing point. Um, so that's what I love about that. But the digital side of things kind of comes in um, if I'm designing something that I know I want to be a certain way, 
that can just be a really helpful tool to kind of put things together and layer things up in Photoshop. And then because you have to work backwards in print, you've got to think, okay, well, if I start with this, then this layer will affect it, this color will affect it as as the layers build up. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's... And, and that's, I think, what... I mean, I find that fascinating. And it's it to me, it talks about a different kind of mind because... Um, you know, I've kind of heard that before, that really methodical way of working and having that patience to go through it. And and I think I'm quite patient in a lot of ways with other things, but I obviously don't have that because I think that's why I used to get frustrated about anything where you've got to remember technical steps. I think, nope, <laughs> sculpture, which is quite sort of messy and hands-on and you, you you can break the rules with it and things, but you, you don't have that very technical kind of quite disciplined um, stages and you know, I, I think it's so interesting, different people of different minds and, and what they get out of it. Um, it, it can be really, really different. Um, yeah. And and you were talking there about the digital side, this sort of imagery manipulation. And I know in the past, I don't know if this is still the case, but you talked about being influenced by sort of Rauschenberg and, you know, we, a lot of us got introduced to him at art school and just that beautiful sort of layering of imagery and um, but, but breaking the rules and, and kind of mixing techniques and mediums and it's so exciting I think when you're first learning about it yeah um so I'm assuming that the digital manipulation just brought another dimension to the work and gave you sort of new possibilities for for your subject matter yeah uh yeah really um I mean in part you know I'm sort of talking back now over kind of how many years? 16 mm. years worth of work, or maybe more. So uh, I guess what I've been doing has changed quite a lot. So at some points, um, I w- you know, my work's always loosely been around landscape. So I was using more uh, photographic things and layering those up in a digital way, which I was then printing. And um, But now it's more of a tool just to try things before I'm committing. So if, yeah. if I'm... If I commit stuff in printmaking it's quite a big you know well it's an expense um you're putting, investing a lot of time in it and you don't you're not really sure so it's just yeah. a nice way to sort of get a feel for something I think yes I, I think that that exactly. makes a lot of sense um and so going on to drawing because that plays quite a big part in your work and and you know your your pieces have this really beautiful kind of visceral sort of mark making and um, tell me about that process, like how you would go about it in a piece of work. How how does the drawing come into it and how has that changed over the years? So, well, there's been a, quite a shift recently. So I'll talk about what I have been doing over the past few years. Um, so I mentioned that uh, the work is kind of influenced by landscape and more recently by soundscape. The, the interest in sound, I think, came from two sort of events. One was... I was up a mountain quite high up doing a walk and, um, you know, over the space of an hour, there was a whiteout and there was this freak snowstorm that wasn't meant to happen at all. Oh, gosh. Which meant, yeah, it was it was actually, at the time, very frightening. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> it, meant, it meant that we couldn't reach the summit. A couple of other people came. Um, it came to where we were by that time to sort of, you know, basically seek refuge we left in the morning because one of them was in a rush to go um they had a flight or something and uh, so so we left and we were in um sort of snow 
and no exaggeration, up to my hips. And, and within about 10 minutes, you could hear these avalanches happening. <gasps> but you couldn't, you're, still, you're still, still a whiteout, so you still couldn't see anything. You could see a couple of meters in front of you or whatever. And I, I, I just said, no, I can't, I can't do it. You know, I, I was terrified. The sound had such an impact, such a sort of physical impact on me. I just, you know, it sort of overtook me. So that was, you know, looking back, that was a pivotal moment where sound became and, and sound within an environment and what impact that has on you. Yes. Whether it's something like that or just the daily noises that you're hearing in the city or something like this. And then the other thing, um, I worked part-time as a teacher for quite, quite a few years and um, there were quite a few children who had special educational needs and they had a completely different relationship to sound than what I did mm. in terms of communication, in terms of sound that they found unbearable or very overstimulating. Um, so then it was kind of thinking about ways to communicate with those children or, you know, make things, make their kind of their soundscape more acceptable to them or something. And it, it hasn't been until recently where I've sort of reflected on those things and thought, oh, yeah, that's, that kind of makes sense. That's why I'm interested in the, the soundscape. God. Yes. Um, I've gone off point. Uh, yeah, drawing. <laughs> but it was so interesting to go off point, so I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Gosh, these life experiences. Yeah, and it, it's funny because you sort of, yeah. You, anyway, so, so it became interested in soundscape and... Um, I was recording different environments and then taking the sounds back to the studio, listening to them on headphones and blindfolding myself and making sort of gestural drawings, just using char usually charcoal and usually with both hands. And I was trying to just respond to the sound in a physical way without, without seeing what I was making. So there was no... Um, barrier basically I wasn't my eyes weren't saying well that doesn't look nice or that isn't yes. right or whatever yeah. it was just try, trying to be something you know pure as it were completely sort of absorbed in the sound and kind of yeah. as a physical experience yeah yeah wow. and I think the result of those were quite kind of rhythmic drawings and usually on quite a big scale and it kind of linked back to the printmaking because it's it's the same sort of thing the reveal at the end you know taking off the yes blindfold and and there is some kind of you know landscape quality to it or rhythm or whatever um so that was that was the way that I used drawing and that was the basis of all of my work over the past five years the kind of starting point would be that process yeah um and then more recently I've been thinking about sound and the uh if you actually open the sound files on the computer, for example, the waveforms that they make and taking those forms and drawing them in um, quite a, sculpt a sculptural way, a tonal way, I guess, but the drawings mm -hmm. feel quite sculptural to me. Um, and they have become a starting point or something that I'm then working from. So that, that feels like quite a big shift for me. Yes, um, to, to, to go into sort of more of a form, creating a form from the sound. Um, yeah. So in a way, sort of the drawing is your tool to kind of record what you're experiencing when you hear those sounds. And I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I've you know, kind of read um, a little bit um, about some of the, the things you wrote a while ago about um, your 
your earlier work being about a sort of sense of place and people's experience of that and and I that really um, tapped into kind of my own creativity because that's where my earlier sculpture work used to come from just I wanted people to um, experience a certain space and it was installation work I did but also now in interiors I feel the same when people walk into a room how do you want them to experience that space or how how do they currently experience it how can that change um, in a more positive way and I think it's so interesting that you know when you're talking about sound because if we think of memories of places, I suppose we're not, it's not, it is partly visual, but so much more of it is about sound, smell, taste, touch. Those are the things that are so vibrant in our memory, yeah. probably more so than we can have a vague memory of what a place looked like. But if a, a smell comes up, you think, gosh, it takes you right back there. Yeah. Um, and it almost has a kind of more powerful, um, it's a more powerful experience. Um and, and yes, yeah, so seeing your work go from the drawing to 3D, because you did a piece, Echo, um, when was that that you did that? That's a sort of sculptural installation piece, which I thought was yeah. very interesting and quite a de- departure from your other work. Well, quite a departure. Um, yeah, it was last year. That was in Scotland, um, and it was as part of a residency. And I, it was a, collab- a collaboration um, with my partner, Nemo, and he'd been, he'd been working with sculpture... Um, so the I'll, I'll try and explain it so, uh, for people listening. It's mm. kind of a sculptural installation using wood, um, in a which fills a space, and the wood is kind of coming out from the walls, um, in a and in a in a rhythmical way. Yes. And I think that's a good way of describing it. It's, it's a rhythmical sort of construction, isn't it? Yeah. And it was, it, yeah, we we sort of approached it in a way that we wanted to combine these uh, different sort of practices that we had. Um, and we wanted something that was going to uh, sort of impose in the space, um, which it did because it was kind of coming out from the walls. And yeah, it was it was really interesting for me to do that because it's in, it's always in, it's interesting to work with somebody else and also just kind of realise your work in a different form. It doesn't yes. feel is a big departure yeah it's a totally different medium and it looks different but it just feels like another expression of it yes yeah I I think that's true and it can it can go both ways can't it so a collaboration is quite tricky um but obviously helpful if you know the person well because you're kind of then kind of under a really good understanding of where people are coming from Um, but yeah visually how that comes together and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but I thought that was a really beautiful piece and it kind of made sense from uh, even though it was a departure it was still very much connected to the other pieces you did I felt so you know I I didn't kind of look and think oh that doesn't belong with uh, Holly's body of work you know it just was a really really interesting exciting sort of departure and and you've not so you didn't so that was a kind of one-off it didn't make you want to go more into 3d pieces did it or was it just funny you mentioned Uh (laughs) aha um well since then I I did another collaboration earlier this year with um a product designer Bina um and that was also working more it was it was very quick we we know it was a really short time frame but yeah it was it was working with more 3d forms and um here uh I told you that I've been doing these drawings which feel they feel to me quite sculptural in the way that they're drawn and they're just begging to be you know as an object 
and they yeah so where we are we're in Greece at the moment and sort of getting to grips with um you know different suppliers everything works very differently you know it's not just ordering Mm. online and then immediately it's here it's really like trying to work out where the um places are to buy materials yeah I was going to ask you about that because that's that is um I mean, you had you were in the process of moving there. Was that earlier this year when we spoke? Kind of, um, yeah. we were going back and forth, and I thought, gosh, it's such. I really wanted to know about about how that's kind of affected your work. Cause it's such a big upheaval, and you're absolutely right. I think, you know, I did a short stint in Italy, and I know how difficult that was just trying to work out how things work and and get things. So, you know, how's it? I mean, your studio I can see behind you, and I'm so jealous because it's so <laughs> stunning. <laughs> and it looks sunny and gorgeous and warm, but it's it just looks amazing. So how's how's it going there? Well, I feel like I've totally landed on my feet, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> a bit of a joke. Um, yeah, t- totally. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, but it is a big, it's more different than I thought it would be. Mm. And things work quite differently. It's a um, sort of moved from London I was meant to come here in March but that didn't happen because of the virus of course, so I ended up yeah. coming here sort of more closer to the end of July um yeah so it's a small village it's it's about an hour's drive to a big city but that city is not really big for example there's no art shop there uh, <laughs> um, does it so come yeah. by boat do your supplies come by boat <laughs> Well, the you know the post is another thing. There's no addresses, so oh, you don't even get. Uh, you don't. You don't even write. To, you know, you don't even order something to address. You go to a cafe in the nearest village and sort of befriend them and say, "Is it okay that we get our post done here?" Isn't that lovely? <laughs> though? I love it. That just sounds so. It's just. It's yeah. almost just what you need right now when when all this is going on. It you kind of want a simpler life. It's so. It feels so different to be here than um, being at home. It feels like you know all of that stuff is sort of behind behind us. Yeah. But, you know, or you just remove from it. Um, and yeah. So in terms of materials, not much is done online, and every um, you know that places like B and Q or you know things like that where they do it, you know, pretty much get anything there if you wanted. Yeah. Um, there's not really a lot of that. It's still like you go to the metal suppliers or you go to the wood suppliers or whatever it is that you need. Um, um, and this is where I was going with this. So, so materials have been limited. So one thing that I found that is um, reasonably cheap and very available and a, and a lovely owner of a workshop here or um, builder's merchant is breeze blocks. So I've been carving these things in breeze block and then plastering them. Fabulous. It, yeah, it's sort of um, actually I'm getting to grips with it and enjoying it a lot more. At the beginning, I think I was a bit too because I'm carving in in my sort of printmaking practice into wood, and I, you know, I have the feel for that, as it were. Yeah, but, and this is a totally different thing. Yes, it's uh, quite soft breeze block, isn't it? it can it, it kind of crumbles and? Yeah, I just kept cracking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of. I was, I felt a little bit frustrated at first. I think because I thought I just didn't think it would be so difficult to find. You know, I sort of wanted to find canvas. I wanted to find yes. paper, like nice paper and things. I and I couldn't. 
Yeah. So it's sort of thinking around those um, problems, but actually, it's actually quite nice just to be limited. I can only work yes. with that. That's, yes. You know, I want to do something in a, in a 3D form. That's available. That's what I'm going to do. Fantastic. That, yeah. So you've kind yeah. of got these imposed sort of parameters to your 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 palette of materials. And so going back, so how did this come about? This is it a residency, or did you just decide you wanted to move out to Greece? I mean, what what is the situation? Um, well, we were looking to move away um, and went to a few different places um, in Germany. Oh, yeah, really in Germany we were thinking and we um, thought maybe um, Lisbon. Then we went to Athens to see some friends last year and they sort of moved out there, set, out, set up a studio and just, you know, they were quite an inspiration really because mm. we thought, oh, that, that's interesting and Athens feels like an exciting place to be got an art scene it's you know it's big but it's not huge it's yeah, everything quite feels quite manageable and exciting so we, we were thinking about that and then uh, basically a friend of a friend has a house here we're actually we're, we're in mainland Greece in the southwest in the Peloponnese they haven't been able to be here for um years actually because they've been looking after their mother who's very ill so we sort of knew that this house was here. So we and and she's an artist. So it Gosh. it is a house, but really it's like it's almost like a show. It's like everything is open, and it's really a studio more than a house. I would say it's like a studio with a living area. Fantastic. Um, That's it's yeah, so perfect. He agreed. <laughs> yeah, you can come. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite amazing. So That's it's incredible. like a bit of a. Just test like how, how it is to be somewhere more rural yeah. and in another country. Maybe it's a stepping stone to moving to Athens at a, at a later point, or maybe not. Or you know, just kind of learning what works and what doesn't. I guess. Yes, and and that is interesting. It's, it's almost I think that's you know incredible. You've ended up somewhere like that. I mean, Athens probably is more. I know it's not a giant city, but uh, you know, when I went there, I went very very briefly, just a, a few weekends and. Um, but I just was amazed at some of the art scene there and, and very much a sort of city um, mm. kind of attitude to things. Um, but obviously with the backdrop of all these beautiful kind of um, ancient uh, runes and, and so there's there's kind of that lovely um, mix of the two. But I think, you know, if I had the choice, I'd probably go somewhere rural like you have, first of all, at least to just completely have something different yeah. uh, to London. And and so work-wise, I mean, if especially now you've gone somewhere rural, but I think also just in general, I wanted to go back to the sort of conceptual side of work. And the most popular work will always be figurative, will always draw people's eye and people feel, feel comfortable because they know what it is and they can recognise it. And of course, those will always be the big sellers. But, you know, for me, I've always felt um, it's really important to have a mix of work. And um, it's a bit like, you know, kind of, listening to music you can have the mainstream music but there's always sort of favorites you have for something that says a wee bit more it's something a bit it's more experimental and I think conceptual work is really important to have that in the mix and I was really drawn to your pieces sort of quieter pieces it's a bit like a conversation something that's just a bit quieter but a bit deeper mm. um and but it's there's no doubt it's more difficult to um have that kind of instant uh kind of gratification from it for probably for the buyer you know they kind of yeah. have a look and think right wait a minute what is this it's tougher to look at it's tougher to bond with at first um, and I just kind of wanted to, you to just tell me a little bit about your experience of that and and um, 
you know, selling your work or not and what's important to you. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting people's relationship with artwork and how they, yeah, approach it or feel uh, maybe slightly intimidated by, you know, things and worry about understanding them. Um, I've had that, I've had that conversation with a few people here, um, mm. but yeah, I think for me personally, you know, I feel like I I kind of get the most satisfaction out of things that have a bit a bit more conceptually weighted or or if I'm collaborating with somebody and the conversation is um sort of engaging then that you feel like you're kind of developing your practice because of those things yeah um but yeah in terms of selling things I think people are drawn to yeah with my work things that are more representative they can see like something to do with the landscape in it um that's been more popular and also brighter colours, um, more popular. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and it's it's hard, isn't it? Because the reason that you want to um, be an artist is to make uh, make what you want, and I and I do do that. But yeah, yeah I do think you, it, it's just interesting when you. I had a studio sale before I came here, so it was a good, you know, it was a good way to sort of see what other people. And it was quite a selection of work that I I had from uh, over the years, but yeah, it's kind of the, the same things crop up that yeah people are like, or even the stuff with like a photographic element in it. Yes, it's just something. Easy to I mean, do you think people kind of want something a way in almost? So a way in can so. be something representational. Um, you know, it's almost about where, where am I in all of this? So, so yeah. the figure gives you that or something representational, as you say, like a door or a tree or something landscape. Think, yes, okay, I, I can make sense of this. And mm. I, I just wonder, and, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know whether now in the whole digital world, everything's going so fast that we just don't have the patience to work it out or to just let it be none of those things. And yeah. actually just a bit of silence and and maybe you know it is about the sound and it is about the experience of those marks and you know some people will poo-poo that and say you know of that you know that I've heard that a lot people say it's a lot of nonsense but actually it's just about taking the time to um think about that and actually kind of let that kind of wash over you and see if it's something that you you could be attracted to so yeah um, for me it's for me it's that and also I, I kind of think with abstract work it can be slower to engage mm. with but maybe if you see it again and again and the longer that you're with it the more that you get from it which is what I really love about it actually yeah that you could go back and see something different um each time maybe yeah so in, in so, a way it almost gives more I think because sometimes yeah. you, when you see the representational thing that's what it is and that's it and that's the end of the conversation yeah <laughs> whereas you know as you say with abstract or conceptual pieces it can be what the artist wanted it to be it can be what you see in it and then it can just keep changing um and I, I just think it has so much to give but um it's interesting as you see different people's sort of perceptions of it yeah. so but and so what what now so you're settling in a wee bit more now and have you got plans for over there for any, producing any work or are you just going to let see see what happens show-wise um, or just in I, work away I am um, I am producing work and I I started to talk with um a man last year, his name's Pierre, 
Koshi, and he is his his background is in acoustics, and he um, did his PhD in environmental research at um, East Anglia University. And I went and met him there. And basically, his work is collecting data across the world in different oceans um, about the soundscape underwater. Ah. And they're using these, um, uh, they're called gliders, but they're basically like a robotic um, thing that they can control uh, contraption. And they can dive to a kilometer deep. So they wow. just go down to a kilometer, they come up to the surface, they do this repeatedly until they, you know, they need to be replaced and then they replace them for another one. So that whole time, I, th- I think it's something, I think it might be two minutes in an hour for all of that time that's happening. That could be over a couple of months. He's collecting the sound data from that. And that can be used in lots of different ways. Um, but he very kindly agreed to share that with me so I've got this whole archive that um I can work with and um it feels really nice that we're going back to the conceptual side of things it feels really nice to kind of um push the work in that direction and think a little bit more critically about the kind of impact on sound in the environment particularly Mm. water and um uh you know basically the impact on the wildlife and migration that the mechanical sound or the human sound is having um so using that archive as a base I'm kind of making I'm making work in response to that and at the moment that's consisting of these drawings that I've talked to you about and um these carved breeze blocks and I'm also painting and carving into wood um and I hope I would what I would really love is to make a kind of an installation where these sculptural things kind of that you have to navigate the space because of them so they become like a physical sound and kind of linked to that idea of disruption in this you know underwater soundscape that gosh no that just sounds incredible it just it sounds like everything's just exploding creatively over here that sounds absolutely incredible I really love the idea of the sculptural side and the actual physical walking through them and and it becoming that sound actually becoming an experience for the viewer as well um yeah that sounds really exciting holly it's obviously been the best move for you yeah <laughs> which is sort of yeah there, first there was that i met with him and then it was coming together and then we we're going to be doing by the sea i mean yeah it's, yeah it's great um oh. even down here you know there's a there's a cave just down the road or a cave kind of cavern thing and at certain times, doesn't happen all the time, but at certain times you go there and the sound in there is incredible because of the sort of acoustics and the way that the water's coming in. So, I mean, even just here, there's lots of places to kind of record and get yeah. um, stuff to work with, I guess. Gosh, it just sounds perfect for you. Of course, I will just have to have to see that work in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way of experiencing it than seeing it in person. <laughs> Everything just sounds... Like it's taking off there for you creatively. I think that's amazing because it can work both ways. Sometimes you go to a new place and it just, um, it takes you so long to resettle and kind of level up all your creative kind of pistons that 
you can actually not make work for quite a long time and yeah. you know I think that's incredible that it's, it's really worked out for you um but thanks so much for chatting away to me today I, I wish I could talk longer with you as usual it's just so interesting um, I'd like to la- ask you about your work as well but I know I'm, right well that's it I'm just going to have to come over and yeah, then we can come. just sit and have a an ouzo or something yeah. the, the open invite you're welcome oh thank you so much and I know you've got a very special visitor coming so I'm not going to hold you up um, have a have a wonderful weekend I'm sure thank you're you looking so forward much. to thank it you. okay and we'll speak to you soon yeah thank you it's lovely to talk to you okay Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Art First Interiors podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on Instagram at CurioEgg for more Art First Interiors chat and inspiration.